when I say we don't move on from grief, we move forward with it. It means I am carrying that experience, not just the loss, but the love. I am carrying it all inside of me. We are formed by all of our experiences. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the podcast. My heart is so full. I cannot wait to share with you some pieces of this event we did last week. It was truly one of the best days of my life, standing on stage with Andy Grammer, being with Amy Purdy all day, having Candace Nelson there, singing with the rescues, Asia, Andy's wife, the, the things that were felt in that theater. It was just so great. It was so, so great. If you want to see a clip of me singing, actually, I put it on my Instagram uh, on a reel and Andy Grammer is singing on that reel as well. And it's just so beautiful. Go check it out on my Instagram at kathy.heller. Today's episode is so good. I'm really happy that Nora McInerney is here. You're going to just love her. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that my signature program, Abundant Ever After, is available for a discount right now. You can go to kathyheller.com slash join to find out all the goodies that you get. Right now, there's some extra goodies and there's a discounted price. If you want to truly transform your life in a very beautiful, speedy way, I think that this class has done wonders for so many people. This is all the tools in my toolbox for how I really create and receive and allow in all the most incredible possibilities. You can go to kathyheller.com slash join and find out more. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. I'm so delighted. The amazing Nora McInerney is here. She's a best-selling author, writer, award-winning podcast host, and speaker. You might have seen her famous TED Talk, We Don't Move On From Grief, We Move Forward With It which was the number four TED Talk of 2019. And maybe you read one of her many awesome books like Bad Moms, No Happy Endings, It's Okay to Laugh, Crying is Cool Too, The Hot Young Widows Club. And Nora has a new book that just came out this month. It's called Bad Vibes Only and Other Things I Bring to the Table, a raw and humorous essay collection that revisits her cringy past and anticipates her rapidly approaching early middle-aged future. In the book, she lays bare her own chaos and invites us to drop the facade of perfection and embrace the truth that we are all, at best, slightly unhinged. Everyone listening needs to get a copy because it's for all the overthinkers, analyzers, recovering girl bosses, reminding us that a life worth living is about more than just good vibes. Also, go listen to Nora's beloved podcast, Terrible Thanks for Asking. It's a show that lets people just be honest about the hard things in life. And boy, do we need that more than ever. I've known about Nora for such a long time because of our mutual friend, Emily McDowell. So it was just such a joy to finally just connect. She has this unbelievable gift of making us laugh, even when it feels like there's so much darkness and sadness. And she knows how to create a beautiful sacred space for people to share the difficult things they're going through. I know you're going to love her humor and her energy. So without further ado, please welcome the brilliant Nora McInerney. 
Nora, I'm so happy that you're here. I've been hearing about you for years from the world. Um, Also, we have a personal mutual friend, Emily McDowell, who's been on the show a couple of times. And you've already made me laugh before we hit record and I just got here. So I'm already happy. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. What a delight. What a delight. You're just one of those people that everyone immediately wants to be friends with because you do the things you do, which is... (laughs) You're just approachable and you don't have this like, look at me um, vibe. So can we talk about where this starts, where your whole story starts before we get into your podcast and your new book? Before we get there, can we just talk about like, where does it begin that you decide, I have things I want to say to the world that will hopefully give people some more ease in their life. Yeah. Where does that begin? Tell us the whole story, the context and everything else. It, I mean, honestly, Kathy, I know this isn't what you're looking for, but it happened so young. The minute I learned how to write, I was like, baby, people have got to know about this. And I have literally right behind me, I opened up a bunch of boxes in my closet because that's my preferred form of procrastination. And that felt yeah. important to do this yeah. morning. And it's filled with like, books I was writing as a kid. And in sixth grade, I, you know, pitched our neighborhood newspaper, rest in peace, not just a city newspaper, <laughs> neighborhood newspaper, and was like, I noticed you don't have any kids writing for you. Do you not think kids are important? We live here too. And the editor was like, you want to write here? I was like, absolutely I do. And I had a monthly column in the Southwest Journal. I just you know, the minute I could get on the internet, I was like, give me a blog for nobody to read. But that's not really what you're asking. What you're asking. I mean, I really of, love that you told no. me that though. You're so adorable. And I love that as early as you can remember, you had things you wanted to say. Yeah. And, I was like, get me a live journal. Yeah. I, I had a hit counter on it. I was getting two or three hits. Me, me refreshing the window <laughs> and like a person who accidentally, <laughs> you know, is that we're getting into like the fives, the sixes. Okay. Oh, so, that's big. Yeah, Six old people. Readers, I mean, that makes you influential to six It really people. does. It, it, every person was me and that doesn't matter. So, no. So, so one of the things that you have in common yeah. with Emily, let's make this all about her, yeah. is that you both decided, whether you decided overtly or not, you, you definitely decided to help people feel that it's okay for them to have their actual feelings around hard things. And you had the strength and the vulnerability to share your own hard things. Tell us where that really started to take off and how you saw people respond to that. Yeah. I was 31 years old when my husband Aaron died of brain cancer and he had been sick for three years. And when you are a young widow, um, one, it makes people very, very deeply uncomfortable. And two, they want you to immediately be okay. Right. Right. Cause they're so uncomfortable. They they're want so uncomfortable. to fix it or they want you to be okay. So they can not feel what they, they're feeling. They don't yeah. feel, they don't want to worry about you or they, you know, they are so worried about you. And so you want them to feel like you're going to be okay. So they, they don't have to worry about you. And they'll say things like, well, at least you fell in love and at least you have your son. Or you'll find someone else because you're still young and you just think, what planet are you living on that you cannot see the hole that has been blown in the middle of my being? Yeah. And I immediately became a very good liar and people would ask how I was and I would say, I'm so good. I'm fine. We're good. We're doing great. 
We're doing great. Me and my little toddler, we are thriving. Uh, neither of us are sleeping. We are both deeply traumatized. But other than that, no, I think we're good. We're good. We are moving right along. Things are good. And Aaron, my husband, he died in November of 2014. And before he died, uh, he and I wrote his obituary together. And if you Google Aaron Permort obituary, you will see the whole thing, but I can give you kind of the the most important parts, which is Permort, Aaron Joseph, age 35, died due to complications from a radioactive spider bite and a years-long battle against a nefarious criminal named Cancer who has plagued our society for far too long. And that obituary was published and it went viral, 2014 viral. There was only like one algorithm. We were all on it. We all saw the same viral stuff. It was like, did you see the viral video today? Yes. Today it was a cat playing the piano. Well, for a few days, it was Aaron. It was Aaron's obituary. And I got so many messages, Kathy, on Facebook, on Twitter, through my email, through the Tumblr that I had, messages from people who were going through something or had been through something really, really difficult. Sometimes they were telling me a story from years ago, decades ago. And I thought to myself, as I read through all these things, as I replied, why are you telling me this? Like, why are you telling a stranger? And I had this realization, they are telling me a total stranger because the people in their lives have stopped asking about it or maybe never asked about it at all. And so their best shot, their best bet for feeling seen and heard and known is to pour out into the abyss the truth of their humanity and hope that it is received somewhere on the other line. And I did not know what to do with that realization that I was so unspecial and that everybody, you know, even the deeply annoying of us are walking around carrying some sort of untold burden. But I uh, ended up a few years later taking that inbox and making it into a podcast called Terrible Thanks for Asking that explores one person's story, a part of their life story and allows them the time and space to express what that experience was really like beyond just fine. I love that you have a podcast. I've known about it forever, but like just listening to you speak is medicine. It's actual medicine. And I'm so grateful that you're speaking and writing and doing things. It's really generous given that you have your own things that go on in your own heart, your own mind. And then you find the the bandwidth to do all that you're doing because it's really, really making a difference. And that is just so kind. And I think about how when I was taking some mindfulness classes at UCLA, one of my teachers said, feelings are like visitors and they like keep knocking louder at the door until you let them in. And if you let them in. Sometimes they stay for 10 minutes. Sometimes they stay for 13 years. Sometimes they stay for the night, but they're visitors. And the only thing that's not really a visitor like that is grief because it like, it keeps, it just changes, right? It's not like it goes away. And you know, this better than a lot of people, 
unfortunately or fortunately in the way that it changes and helps other people, but it's, it sucks that you've had to, you know, know it. But I think what's really tragic that you're doing something about is that pain seems like it's inevitable part of life, but suffering seems like the more optional part. And the suffering I see in my own life is where I resist letting myself feel my feelings. Mm. It's like, as soon as I turn toward like, this sucks, like this didn't feel good. Or if I say to a friend, like, oh my God, that's the worst. She like takes a deeper breath all of a sudden. She just exhaled. And I'm like, oh, I don't need to cheer you up. I just need to sit beside you here. Oh, that's amazing how that works. And your whole platform is that for people. It's like, I'm just going to sit right here and be a witness and say out loud, this one hurts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's amazing that that's sometimes all we need. Like usually that is all we need. It's amazing that that's what we need. It really is. Like, could you just hold the space? Could you just allow me full permission to feel it? And all of a sudden something feels integrated. There's some feeling I wouldn't call joy, but maybe something satisfying about feeling feelings that makes me feel whole in the fact that I can not disassociate from something that's so obviously setting me on fire? Like, can I just hold it for a second and look at it? And then there's like the witness to know that it's not your job to fix something, that like literally all you have to do is just show up and shut your mouth is like a pretty, like that's a that's kind of a big relief or it has been to me. Like, oh, not every problem is fixable. And so this issue really just requires me to be present with it. I mean, what you just said, the amount of over-functioning codependents out there who are keeping people who they love, who they want so much for, they're not actually helping the way they think, me included. I used to be such an over-functioning codependent, such a people pleaser, so trying to... And then it's like, wow, if you literally freed yourself from fixing things and instead just gave space and just honored the what is like that's what is you know like our world would be different let's talk about where this really starts like in your ted talk we don't move on from grief we move forward with it that was one of the first big like earthquakes let's talk about the response to that and what does it mean for people who are new to your work which i doubt that my listeners are new to you but let's say they were what does it mean That we don't move on from grief, we move forward with it. Yeah, I had thought of grief as a period of time, a short period of time between death, always death, and a funeral. So by the time the funeral wraps up, you should have all of that done. You might be a little bit sad, but you know, time to get back to work and it's no surprise. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. It's just right. It's It's so absurd. And also like, think about the way that it's, that it's sort of presented to you. Like one as a kid, it's like, I would, I went to my grandpa's funeral and we all cried. Then afterwards it was like, okay, mom's going to work on Monday. Her dad's dead and she's going to work. I don't even get it. Cause we don't have bereavement leave. We just, you know, even if your faith has like beautiful grief traditions, like you got to get it in to HR policies, baby. (laughs) 
you know, like you got those three to five business days and you got to get back to making PowerPoints. So, uh, and that's if you have benefits, by the way, that's if you have a full-time job with benefits, otherwise you are on your own. And anyone who has experienced grief one knows or should know that it's not just for death. It needs a rebrand, not just for death. There are so many things to grieve. I think especially in the past few years, we've seen that there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to grieve. There's a lot, if you have a lot to lose, you have a lot to grieve. And I lost Aaron. I didn't lose him. He died. Aaron died right after my dad died. My dad died right after I had a miscarriage. It was just this total shit show of a year. And a year later, I meet the man who is my current husband and his name is Matthew. And he came to the marriage with two children and I brought one. And then we had a fourth and we have two dogs and we, we live in this beautiful little house and we have this beautiful life. And I felt this, I felt several things when I fell in love with Matthew. I felt unworthy of having happiness again. I felt guilty for having happiness again. And I also felt this immediate defensiveness of my grief for and my love for Aaron because I could sense, this goes back to the acting like you're fine for people. I could sense that people were maybe assuming like, okay, she's okay now, right? She's not sad about Aaron anymore. She's got this guy. And that TED Talk was an absolute act of passive aggression because I knew from all the widows I knew, from all the people I'd done, you know, the podcast with that these experiences in life, these life shattering, life altering experiences, not just the big positive ones, but you know, the really difficult ones, they do stay with us. And that doesn't mean they're always like front and center. The most important thing you need to know about me is my husband is dead, but it is always going to be a part of our lives. It always will be. These things alter us. They alter the course of our lives. They alter who we are. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so when I say we don't move on from grief, we move forward with it. It means I am carrying that experience, not just the loss, but the love. I am carrying it all inside of me. We are formed by all of our experiences. Always. so good. I mean, I just feel like all the things you say, because they're the things that people usually don't say it just, it breaks through the noise. I'm I'm not surprised that you have such a big following of engaged humans because it really is just so rare and it's so important. And you're right. Our society doesn't make space for this. Like we just don't have it as part of our culture. I, I feel, and you mentioned that some church, so I'm Jewish and in our culture, like my husband lost his dad in 1987, which was a huge turning point for him. And then he just lost his mom to cancer a couple of years ago. But there's like a whole year process that we have where like, he's not expected to go to parties or big events because he's given the option that like, that might not feel okay. So he doesn't have to stand at a party at a wedding and be like, I feel like I'm in a cold sweat and everyone's dancing. Like, so there's a lot of things in that year that happen, but you're right. HR doesn't give you a year to discover how you can breathe in and out every day. They just say, come back on Thursday. (laughs) So, you know, take PTO, maybe, maybe someone will donate some vacation time to you. I mean, it's just, it's just so crazy, but I love that in all of your books and in the podcast, which we're kind of like going to move into now, you just have a way of saying out loud the thing that we're hoping somebody says at the table, like 
for those of you listening who don't know, Nora wrote a book called Bad Moms, No Happy Endings, which is a memoir. It's okay to laugh. Crying is cool too. You're so funny. Um, the Hot Young Widows Club on survival, lessons on survival from the front lines of grief. And your new book is coming out, which I love what it's about. Um, bad vibes only and other things I bring to the table. So let's talk about this book because I've always wanted to be a come with me girl, not a look at me girl. Like mm. what, what, what is there to look at? Like I'm on the struggle bus. I am a hot mess, but we, we definitely live in a world where everybody wants so badly to say all the right things. And then here you come with like, or we can tell the truth. So let's talk about this new book. And after all the books you've already written and all the good things and all the funny things and all the important things you've said, why did you feel like this collection of essays was important for this time? We live in an era of oppressive optimism. And you can kind of see in all of my book titles, like me pushing against that. But even in the midst of, do you remember early pandemic? Early, 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 where like people are dying just in in droves, it feels like. The world is falling apart at the seams. It was like a zombie apocalypse. It it felt like the zombie apocalypse. And we have on Instagram people being like, what I'm doing on my staycation. (laughs) It's like just this immediate need to dress up every one of your experiences as something better than it is, to try to alchemize all of your suffering into a self-improvement exercise is so (laughs) depleting and exhausting to me. And mostly in my life, it has been a series of things from which I learned very little. (laughs) Okay. Like it has been a series of experiences where I am humbled, sometimes viciously, or I am challenged and I am not the victor. And when I started to write again, after No Happy Endings came out, after Bad Moms came out, when I sat down to start to write again, I just found myself revisiting these moments in my life where the vibes were bad (laughs) and there was not necessarily a big shiny life lesson to learn from that. Yes. And also like, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm pushing 40. Okay. I am 39 and 10 months old. And the absolute disorientation of this age is so profound to me because even though I can tell you objectively, through using a calendar that I graduated from high school 21 (laughs) years ago. No, I did not. I'm a teenage girl. I am 17 years old. I am merely a child. So I don't know how I'm in charge of anyone or anything or how I could possibly be invited to my 20-year reunion when I am still in high school. I don't. It's so, so strange. I totally get it. I don't always, I don't write with a plan. I write and I write and I write. And then I look at what comes out and I figure out what it's trying to tell me. And, and it was this, right? It was, it was this collection of, of essays and stories for, you know, people who do struggle to live, laugh and love. 
So I know I'm going to at the risk of, I don't know why I'm bringing up all these examples, but it's just, I want at the risk of sounding so Jewish, I've already said something else about Jewish tradition. People don't know why Jews break a glass under a chuppah. Like you see in a wedding, it's like they break the glass at the wedding and then they say mazel tov. Even Jews don't know why they do that, but I'm going to tell you why they do that. Do you know why? I don't, I, even though I do know someone did explain it to me at a wedding and I was like, oh, that's so beautiful. The reason why is because this moment, which seemingly is a good one, let's hope, you know, you got the dress, your friends and family are there. Let's hope you didn't do it for the the, the registry. Um, the very first thing you do is break a glass to remember how much is broken in the world, how much pain is in the world so that you remember that by coming together, maybe in some way, you'll help each other grow to do that which you came to the world to do, which is maybe make it a little bit better. And so it's like, I can give you like a million examples of that, which are all over all of, all of our holidays, but I've always appreciated that because there's an honoring of two things being true at the same time. Like even when, and this is the beginning of what you started saying, and then we'll wrap back to the end, but like, even when things are, on one level, so good. There's a lot out there in this moment that is not good. It's nowhere close to good. And we need to just like make space for that too. And I love that you share that and what you were just, you know, saying about how you write and you let it teach you. It's like, this is just so important. It's so beautiful that you're helping us rewire to what what you're giving us permission because no, not every moment. I mean, I dropped off my daughter to kindergarten and I thought it was okay. I, and she's my youngest of three yeah. girls. And then I was drove it this down, year. Yeah. Our, ours just started kindergarten to our youngest. And it's like, okay, and yeah, I drove on. down the street and pulled over because I was crying And then I just wept and I was like, you know what? In this moment, I don't get an award for saddest thing that's happening, but the pain of something so simple, something so tiny, that's nowhere close. I'm almost embarrassed to say it out loud to you, but the whole point of this conversation is people having their feelings. Yeah. Like just the feeling of like, oh, it's, it's hard. The passing of time. That I have these a million, I could cry right now, like these little goodbyes that like, you know, like, like that's like, that's like, that's its own thing. And even that there's no room for it. Like I felt ridiculous to share that because I thought people are going through levels of what's worse that I would never share that. But later that day, I didn't even share that like with my mom. I didn't even share that with like my neighbor because it's like, I'm great. Yeah, she looked great. Posted yeah. the photo of the first day. And it's like my heart was in 25 pieces. Because there's so much broken in this world and you're here to make it better. And you do, you have a baby and they get bigger and they go to kindergarten. And I know exactly what you mean. It feels ridiculous when there's so much suffering in the world. But the, that is that is also this phase of life that is so bittersweet, which is like, the goodbyes start and with it also are different right. hellos, right? Like, hello, kindergartner. 
like, hello, first grader, like all of these things. But it's like, we have to hold all of these things to be true at the same time. And by the way, like we have this natural inclination, this reflex almost to like try to take our thing and weigh it against somebody else's and measure it and be like, nope, this one's worse. Which is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. And it's all our human experience. And someday, you know, someday, yeah, you know, the day my husband died, yeah, I was pretty much, you know, at the, at the leaderboard for my friend, (laughs) you know, you know, but like it shifts and I have days, years so far, like where like my biggest problem, right? Or like my biggest sad thing, like the saddest thing is my youngest kid starting kindergarten. You know, we had a almost a Christmas catastrophe last year. There was a worldwide Pokemon card shortage. Okay. You don't want to talk about suffering? Okay. Kathy, my, my son. She's like, you, you pretend to make space for people's feelings and now you're laughing at me for this. She's <laughs> like, this is where it ends. This is where I'm getting off. I'm like, this is it. This is like my son every year on Aaron's birthday. We have, you know, we call it Aaron Fest, which is what Aaron called his birthday. And I just use it as a time to like spoil people I love. Every kid in my life gets a stupid present. What do you want? You got it. Ralph, Aaron, the son I had with Aaron, Ralph wanted Pokemon cards. Of course. Yeah, dude, we'll go. We get Pokemon cards that night. He's, we're laying in bed and he's like, I'm so sad. It was a really hard day. I was like, I know me too. And he goes, no, you don't get it. You bought me all those cards and I didn't get one VMAX. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, what am I going to do? Tell like a fourth grader, like, no, you're sad because your dad died. No, you are, you are bummed out because you did not get a VMAX. What's a VMAX? Some kind of Pokemon card that is extra powers, Kathy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, it's all relative and it's all real. And like, this is what it is to be a person, you know, some days you're burying your husband and some days you're experiencing facial paralysis because you decided to let the injectionist give you a little something extra in the name of vanity. (laughs) Okay. One day you're swallowing your own blood because you thought, yeah, I guess that is a imperfection. Let's fix it. Now I can't swallow. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. I feel like you took over Tina Fey's mind and then also are this amazing, you know, writer that helps people into wholeness. Like you're such a combination of so many amazing talents. You know, it's interesting as I'm talking to you and I'm like laughing and I feel my nervous system just so calm. I'm realizing I'm saying something that I don't think I've said before, which is maybe joy, what we think of as joy is it on the other side of this is happiness? <laughs> like, because I'm, I'm sitting here literally feeling how you're just being your vibe. I feel my whole everything just feel calm and at ease. Let's put it that way. And maybe our definition of joy and happiness, which is like, you have the perfect vacation and all the kids were matching clothes. And you have sex every single day with your husband and you take the best selfies and you have the best. It's like whatever that thing is that we think some life is someone's living. Maybe it's actually not like maybe that for everything you're saying, terrible things you're asking and bad vibes only. Obviously, there's a little bit of your own humor, but there's also truth there, too. And maybe actually whatever is really giving us peace is somehow involved in this. Like maybe this is really closer to what 
humankind means when we feel joy. And it's not like Christmas day with all of your family at your house and the perfect turkey. Yeah. And it's definitely more attainable. It's definitely more realistic, you know, to experience joy in the imperfect, which you are, you know, surrounded by all the time. And I am a recovering perfectionist, people pleaser, codependent baby, all that stuff, you know, and that sort of that obsession starts so young. Yeah. And I'm willing to bet it did with you too, right? Oh, like, immediate. It was the, like, my dad was an alcoholic. He put his hand through the wall the first time, drywall. And I was like, oh my God, I know what I'm going to do. I'll manage everyone's feelings all the time. Yes, yes, yes. My dad was a recovering alcoholic and I never saw him drink, but like, did I have to sort of mold myself around his ever-changing moods? Yes. And <laughs> was I happy to do it? No. But did I? Mm-hmm. And did I do a good job? Never good enough. So yeah, it just... <laughs> <laughs> it just happens so young. Right, and, me too. And when the goal is perfect, there was this phrase. Uh, I went to Catholic school and it was in, you know, at the University of Google. I found it was like ascribed to St. Jerome, but honestly, it's like one of those quotes that I like, you know, it could be Marilyn Monroe. It could be Audrey Hepburn. It could be Lincoln, <laughs> the only three, or Mark Twain, the four quote sources. Or Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Yeah. No. Go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> machine, but it's um, it's this little poem that haunted me as a kid, and then I saw it in my own child's preschool. Good, better, best. Never let it rest till your good is your better, and your better is your best. What the fuck are you supposed to do with that? You know, like what? Never, never let it rest. Don't you dare. No, 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 no. It's like such an exhausting, exhausting, unattainable way to live. And like, I think my 2022, 2023, 2024, my forever theme is just going to be like, what if we all agreed? And we know this. What if we all agreed? C's get degrees, baby. What if we all just got a C? Okay. That line. That's true. I never thought that thought. See, you no. get a degree. They yes, do. They do. I heard someone say that in college. I was like, uh, but your degree won't count as hard as mine. Guess what? That guy's doing just fine. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's doing. In fact, I think he's doing uh, probably better than me. Yep. yep he is. Uh, yeah. Let's be yeah. honest. He's yeah. got the Tesla. Um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting because this morning I try to meditate every single morning or else I have a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And so this morning I did, and it's interesting because I don't often like call on God or the universe. I just kind of like meditate, like whatever. I kind of found my own practice through a lot of error and trial, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, But today, for whatever reason, I just decided to say, I was like, whoever's there, God, spirit guides. I was like, I need your help. And this is what I said today. This is very vulnerable because of the truth. No filter. I said, I want your help in just enjoying walking to the fridge and I'm going to get a cup of coffee today. And I started to cry because I realized I have this unrelenting need to help. And it then turns into, Kat, you are crushing it. You have $40 million in your podcast. I'm like, God, you're amazing. And then... I realized I haven't taken a 15 minute walk in six months. 
I haven't woken up later than 5.15. I haven't been unproductive. I haven't binge watched anything on Netflix, but I am getting gold stars, you know? And I'm like, I tell my husband the other day, I said, can you take my hand? And he goes, yeah. I go, can you find me sometimes when I'm, I don't know how to come back. I'm like lost. And he was like, he kind of like knew what I meant. And, um, we live in a society where, and I want to kind of like pivot into this, which is not a pivot. It's really just more of the same, but we live in a time. I've never seen anything like it. I'm a total, I play right into it. It's, it's perfect for my addiction of what my psychology is as a kid. It's like being productive is like, forget being ethical, be productive. Like we are in this place of like, what are you producing? What did and you how fast? And Forty million? Could you get to forty-one? Could you get to right. fifty? Could you? So what's next? You Steve, never get next? there. There's no there yeah. there because you just yeah. have to keep going. And then it's like, oh well, so and so has you know Joe Rogan has three hundred million downloads a month. And it's just like, okay, like, <laughs> good luck to everyone who's just trying to breathe in and out. So. What do you do about those people who can relate to being perfectionists and 24-7 hustlers? What do you think might help? Just a little bit that you've stumbled upon. Oh, I'm still... I stumble upon it and then I stumble over it and I get back up and I get right back into my horrible habits, which is exactly like you, Kathy. Literally. Like I've said the same thing to my husband. Will you come get me? Will you come like pull me out of wherever I am? Because I'm not here. I know that, right? And I have, you know, in the past year, I have quit and said no to more things than I ever have since Aaron died. And Aaron's death had sort of pushed me into this accomplishment addiction. And a lot of it was, you know, how can I prove that I'm worthy of being alive when he's dead? You know, how can I you know, just lean right into that codependence and how can I sort of establish my own value as a person by proving that I'm valuable to somebody else. I'm only as good as what I can do for you. For like, are you happy with me? Are you happy with me? Do you need me? Okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I have metabolized so little of the past six years, right? Like I've allowed it to turn to like sand in my mouth, right? which really makes me sad. And this book, every book that I've ever published, I have been unable to enjoy. Unable to enjoy because I was so attached to the outcome of it. I was so attached to the outcome. I can totally relate. And I am a 4X, not New York Times bestseller, right? And who cares? Literally- Just you. Just you. Cares? My <laughs> exactly. life is the same. My life is the same whether or not my book has a sticker on it. Or better. Because right. What happens if one would have been? Yeah. And the other and not three the others. Wouldn't. Right. Ooh. It's like all of these external forces, all these things, right? These like things that we're we're seeking, these little gold stars, right? You got 40 million downloads, you got, you know, 300 million. It's like when our being and our doing are so braided so tightly together. There is no peace. There is no enjoyment. 
and I can't objectively look at my life and say, this is something that is beyond even what you ever dreamed of. You know, my whole life, I wanted to be a writer. Well, here you are. Right. Here you are. This book I love so much. I do think is my best book. I am not counting. I am not looking at a single number. That is not the measure. That is not the measure for this one. It just is not. It cannot be. It can't be anymore. Like the goal was to write it. The goal is that it's out there and I did it. And I'm trying to take time to savor and metabolize that slowly with the fact that it was done. Because you know what? People people probably ask you this all the time. People ask me, what are you going to do next? What's next? What are you working on? Constantly. Last night we were, um, my husband, my show is called Don't Keep Your Day Job. He finally stopped keeping his day job and went from law to stand-up comedy. So he was doing a show last night at the improv and we were in the green room with some famous comedians. And one of them, I said, how do you go from like this energy in the green room, which is kind of quiet, like people are just on their phones or whatever to like the stage where like you, there's a lot of energy. And he yeah. said, Oh, cause I don't look to my environment to bring me energy. I, I generate it from inside of myself. In fact, he said, that's how I do anything. Like I don't look at it from the external it's mm. within me. And he's like, I practice TM and I've been doing transcendental meditation for years and it's all inside of us. It's not outside. And I was like, Whoa, like in the green room, I was like, that's so brilliant. Yeah. And that's the move, right? That's the ninja move. It's like, cause there is nothing that is in any other moment that you can't find in this moment. There's nothing that could be waiting for you at the New York times. Like you're on the list. If, yeah. if that was true, then that'd be like a ridiculous video game to be in that like, that's right. how it works. You'd be like, no, that sucks. Right. But really it's like, could you see the 103 shades of green outside your window right now? Because if you can do that now, or you can find something pleasant to say to someone when you're online at the DMV, you're winning. Like that is as good as it's going to be. That's it. There's no other there there. Yep. And nobody, nobody cares. And I mean that in a good way. You know what I mean? Like people like your show or they like your work because they like it. Not because they're like, well, someone told me to like it. I was told to like it. And (laughs) You know, it's so, but it's so strange. And like, we also like have to contend with, and it doesn't matter what you do, by the way, like in every career, every like sort of facet of modern life is quantifiable. And like, you have to, for me, I have to lean into the unquantifiable to find any happiness because otherwise I will literally measure myself by whatever metrics are available to me. And I'll find a way to interpret them and tell myself that I am not good. Okay. So I love where the conversation's going because I try to be intellectually honest on the show and I try to really get to the heart of like, what other truths can we unpack? And so one of the truths I want to unpack with you is there's something, as you said, I love that. I've never heard that combination of words. I think I'm restating a version of what you said that there can be positivity that's like oppressive. Yeah. And we just talked about some of that. And yeah. then what I wanted to sort of tease out with you, because you were, you and I were just talking about where our own negative thoughts are actually not helping either. Meaning to say, yeah. like, there's something that is in integrity about 
when we feel lousy, we feel grief. We, like all of that is what we just spent the first 45 minutes saying out loud and what you've spent your career saying out loud. And then there's this other thing where we put ourselves through hell around all of the things that are not true that we're thinking that are causing us to feel sad that those are the things that are fake. Those are the things that are not somebody coming along and saying what I hope people just heard us say is the fact that you can step down getting an A. The fact that doesn't mean we're not saying that we're here for you to witness how much you're suffering around trying to be a perfectionist. But I guess my question that I think would be fun to talk about for a few minutes is when somebody is getting up in the morning and feeling like crap, Is there a way to decipher when it's about things that are actually fake thoughts, fake news, things that we don't have to keep thinking? And it's not because it's toxically positive to say what we're about Mm -hmm. to say. It's because this is causing so much unnecessary pain. And it's not about us not honoring sadness, but it's like you you could actually eject that thought completely. You could actually delete that because that's not... That doesn't come from truth. That's shame. That's something that's not something for you to even have to make space for. Can you help us in your own way? Because you've just told me a few of the differences and different kinds of things that come up in your own experience. How do we decipher that? And what are some of the things that can help people if they're feeling sad unnecessarily, do you Mm -hmm. think, to help them have a better day, but from a healthy place yeah. to have a so, better day. Yeah. Obviously therapy, baby. And that is something that I still struggle with, right? To have all these like tool, all the tools. Right. Your therapist was like, <laughs> put all the tools in your toolbox. And you're like, dude, when I feel like I'm in the middle of an earthquake, I'm not rooting around for a hammer. Okay. I'm how I feel, man. I'm just like, I think we should panic. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I think we should have a panic attack at the Costco. That's what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> That it's not is, funny. Raise your hand yeah. if you're listening. If you have, I mean, it's not yeah. funny. I get it. Yeah, I get but we're it. there. And and when you see me, I will be there, and you will Just see. Wink at each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wink yeah. if you can. Still wink. Do that. <laughs> yeah, like I have this little list. I've got this little list of things that I can do that they do not guarantee me a like good day at all. I'm not saying that, but they are things that for sure are ingredients that can help me feel better. And one is to go outside. You mentioned, I haven't taken a 15 minute walk in six years. Yeah. Wow. Do you know how quickly that happens to me too? Where I'm like, has my whole body atrophied? Have I been sitting in this chair for 48 hours straight? Possibly. I don't know. It's so terrifying. Go outside, go outside and go walk around the block. Worst advice. If somebody gave me this advice, I would punch them in the face. It's true. I have to go for a walk. I I just movement of any kind, a very short walk. My block is not even big. Okay. I can go for a walk. No device. No device. Call a friend like it's 1997. Not a video call, not a Zoom. Pick up the phone, hear their voice in your ear the way you did in middle school lay on your bed, stare at the ceiling. Sometimes I can walk and talk, but usually these are two different things. Actually eating food regularly, not just um, having breakfast and then forgetting to do uh, to eat anything until like the afternoon when I like have a complete mental breakdown and yep. actually going to sleep. 
actually going to sleep, not revenge procrastinating, not scrolling, but actually going to sleep. So I've been doing this for like years, right? Like there's like these five things, right? Like do one of these things, actually talk to your husband, actually look at a person in the eye, you know, put your phone down. Almost everything can be traced back to my phone for me. And like, look at your kids, talk to them, get outside of your own head because your own head, I think Anne Lamott said this, like, it's a scary place. Don't go there alone. Don't stay there, yeah, certainly. Don't go there alone. Don't I stay there. Get out of there. Get out of there. Get out of your own self. Like there's actually, I wonder if you're familiar with her. You should absolutely speak to her. Do you know Dr. Ellen Vora? No. And okay. I love when people say names to me and I'm yeah. like, oh, the whole world just opened up because yeah. no, I don't. Okay. Ellen Vora, she wrote this book that I read recently and I was like, one, it validated a lot of things I was doing. So obviously I liked it. And two, it's called The Anatomy of Anxiety. And she was talking about exactly what you're asking me about. And so I'm like, you just got to read her book because it's part of it is the true, like she calls it true anxiety and false anxiety. And false anxiety is the stuff that we actually can affect, right? And that's that's it. I love that you distinguish that. I've never heard those words before either. She also connects like, you know, the physicality because she is a, she is a psychiatrist. She's a medical doctor by training, like the physicality of our anxiety and how it feeds our minds and how our minds feed our body and like this endless loop. Like this like, um, cortisol, like this constant, yes. like it's like addictive. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. So I found it so interesting and uh, really, really helpful. And it's really written in a really, thank you so way. much. I'm going to get that yeah. book. Yeah. And get I'll it. hopefully I have e-book. her on highlighted all of it. And yeah. yeah, and she's a brilliant speaker. That's actually how I how I was introduced to her was her speaking. What I love about your suggestions, and I'm not surprised that I love them, is like these are those are not toxic positivity things. Those those are things how can you not do that? Like honestly, if you're if you're listening and you want to actually live your life, how could you live a life where you're like, I I really don't have a habit of eating or going to sleep or looking at people in the eyes or taking a walk outside. And then I hear you say it. I'm like all five of the things that you said, those things don't happen for me on a daily basis. Yeah. Like sit on Slack, you're on Slack, you're on email. Boxer. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know, another book, since you mentioned Anne Lamont, I asked her what's her favorite book mm-hmm. and she's such a great writer. I don't know if she was being kind to her friend or if this is really her favorite book, but I imagine it's a version of one of her favorite books, which this is her answer. And she said, Janine Roth's book, Women, Food, and God, which Mm. is, have you ever read it? No, no. See, now you just opened up a world for me. So good. Now here's the thing. It's a little bit about food and a lot about everything we just talked about. Now, I personally have tremendous anxiety and all the rest, but I haven't had a food thing. And Mm. I still love the book because you can substitute when she's talking about food. If your thing isn't food, substitute it with your phone, substitute with people pleasing, substitute with anything that is your escape. Anyway, the reason I mention it is because there was a period of time when my husband was going through the pandemic. My husband was in uh, the hospital with his mom who was dying of cancer Mm. and he was in the fetal position because he lost his dad in 1987. So he didn't actually think he was going to survive his mom dying because it triggered this, I was a little kid and yeah. all, and I don't think it a was a little kid, a little, little kid. Right. So when yeah. he, when she went in the hospital, he went in and then he never came home. He didn't take a shower. He, and we have three kids. So yeah. it was to say it was a very hard time is correct. It was just a very hard time. And so I was reading that book and I found I could cry just thinking about it because so much in it, but I would walk outside 
I would force myself to walk outside, right? My three kids, my husband is, I don't know if he could even breathe. It was just so bad. And I would just let myself feel my feelings and not try to make stories out of them. Just be like, Ooh, what's here? I was like, Oh, it's like pain. It's just like a feeling of like an actual knife in my heart. And then I would just let the silent tears just fall down my cheeks. And in Women, Food, and God, she says, I was reading that book as I was going through this, which was such a gift. And in the book, she basically says, on the other side of this feeling you're afraid to feel, what's there to hold that feeling for you is the most incredible feeling that there's something inside of you capable of just feeling your feeling. It has a capacity to feel that feeling and that in of itself gives you something that is so giant. And it's like, we, we avoid it. We're like, I'll, I'll scroll the phone. I'll just eat it away. I'll, and, and then it's like, if you just go, no, no, I'm just going to walk next to that river. I'm going to sit down. I'm just going to sit next to that river. And I'm just going to notice that like, here I am crying and surviving this feeling. I can turn toward it. And just by letting it be here, I give myself dignity. I gave myself dignity. That's how I felt. I was like, those morning moments for me, there's so much dignity in that to give myself those 20 minutes. And then I can go be a mom to those three kids. And then I can go try to help someone who's going through what I saw as like a, whatever the words are for when somebody has a complete visceral wipe out experience. I mean, it was months that we, we just didn't know how to help or get to him and my kids. It was just a lot. And that's, again, people take out their measuring stick and it's like, it's nothing compared to this compared to that. It it just was what it was. But that book, Women, Food and God, that's, I'm absolutely going to pick that up. That's wonderful. And and you do that and your voice does that. And so I just want to say, thank you for giving people dignity for seeing people's pain, for seeing the silent battles, however big, however small. Thank you for doing that. Tell us where we can buy this book. Tell us where we can order it. Tell us where we can follow your podcast. Yeah, you can find my podcast wherever you get podcasts. It's called Terrible. Thanks for asking. And the book is called Bad Vibes Only. And you can order it wherever you like to get books. Barnes and Noble, your favorite bookstore. Here's my best thing. There's the best thing about bookstores. If you, you can just call any of your favorite bookstores and make, will you order this book for me? And they'll do it. And then obviously, like, you know, any big giant, you know, corporate website will also have it. I also did the audiobook. So it's also wherever you get audiobooks. And however you get a book is great. And I really hope that this book makes you feel seen and heard and known and makes you laugh. Well, I want to make a plug for burning your book. And actually in honor of my, he would have been my father-in-law. He died in 1987. I want to, I want to tell you guys something. He owned an independent bookstore. Oh, and those bookstores got bought out. First it was crown books. Then it was Brentano's and let me tell you guys something as you're listening. If you want to help Nora, but you also want to help bookstores and you also want to, in the, in light of even my sweet husband who lost his dad in 1987, let me tell you why his dad died. Because his bookstore stopped making money because a big mm-hmm. bookstore opened up. 
and little bookstores couldn't compete because of these big bookstores. And isn't it interesting that a year later he died of heart issues because he couldn't support his family. Mm. And how much do you guys love going into little bookstores? No. So in light of this whole conversation, it's like so beautiful. I did not plan to say this, but you have a son who lost his dad when he was young. It just so happens that for an author, it is tremendous if you buy from an indie bookstore and it's so good for the world for there it's to so be indie bookstores. So I would like to say in honor of his dad and his bookstore, which was pages 317, which has been gone since 1986, um, call indie bookstore and say, do you have this book, Bad Vibes Only? And it's by Nora McKierney. How do you, how do you pronounce your name? <laughs> McInerney. McInerney. Yeah. I can name several small bookstores that do have it on their website. Boswell Books in Milwaukee. Sometimes I like to pre-order books from a city I don't live in. Boswell Books in Milwaukee. Subtext Books in St. Paul. Quail Ridge Books in Raleigh. Nowhere Bookshop in San Antonio. Whatever bookstore is by your house. <laughs> I love, don't you love that we just took this moment to do this? I really, I, do. I feel like we should do, do this on every, I've never done this with an author yeah. to say this about indie bookstores is the first time. Yeah. But your kindness and your vulnerability, I'm like, this is the perfect thing to say because it's the truth. And honestly, it does not take a lot of orders to make a huge difference in a bookstore's life. It really doesn't. Yes. It really does. And they're doesn't. the best yeah. places to, don't you love it when you see a little main street and there's a bookstore? It's the yes. most fun. Yes. So go and do that. Listen to Nora's podcast. Go get the book. You can watch her TED Talk. Um, there's many other books too, but Nora, you're such a gem. Oh, thank you, Kathy. I'm so glad we finally met. I can't believe it took this long. Emily's been talking about you forever. Same, same, same. You're amazing. You really, really are. You're such a gift and just God bless all of you, your husband, your kids, your late husband, his soul, all the things. You're just such a gem. I'm such a fan. I'm so glad you came. You too. Me too. Oh my gosh. I love Nora. I just love her. She's incredible. All right. Here are the takeaways. Number one, it's not your job to fix all the problems. All you have to do is just show up. Sometimes the issue really just requires you to be present with it. Number two, we don't move on from grief. We move forward with it. It means that you are carrying that experience, not just the loss, but the love. You're carrying it all inside of you. Number three, goodbyes start and with it are also different hellos. Number four, there's so much broken in this world and you're here to make it better. Number five, don't weigh your situation against someone else's. It's all our human experience. It's all relative and it's all real. This is what it is to be a person. Number six, C's get degrees. Number seven, look someone in the eye, put your phone down and talk to them. Get outside of your own head, get out of your own self. And number eight, when our being and our doing are braided so tightly together, there's no peace. There's no enjoyment. The measure is not in the numbers. The goal is in going through the process. Thank you so much for listening. It it just means so much that you're here and that we get to share these episodes together because my whole heart is in this and I just love you guys. I love this community so, so much. There's so much good stuff coming. So make sure that you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, wherever you're listening. And if you're a fan of the episode that we just did or any episode, please leave us a review and share the show. If you can think of somebody who would be benefited by listening to this episode, please text them the link or post it on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. I will definitely repost some of those and you can tag Nora. She's at Nora Borealis, N-O-R-A-B-O-R-E-A-L-I-S. She's going to light up when she sees just how many of you got something from this. 
Finally, my signature program, Abundant Ever After, it's all about rebooting your wealth mindset, your creativity mindset, the way you see possibilities. If you want to get in on that right now, there's a bunch of bonuses, plus it's at a discounted price. You can join us at kathyheller.com slash join. I love you. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you soon. These are the best days of